It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's To the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Qinator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's Thursday, which now means part two of Midweek with Manish because there was plenty of news. As we said last week, for the first time in a while, there was a ton of news. So we broke it up into two parts. Same thing this week. This is part two. We're going to talk about... What the Jets can do from here, there are a lot of intriguing options. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, thanks so much for hopping on for part two. You ready to talk a little bit about a man named Jadavian Clowney, another man named Logan Ryan, and another man named Punt on the season? Oh, wait, that's not an actual person. <laughs> uh, sure, let's do it, Scott. So let's talk about this because I spoke about this on the podcast with Chris Nimbley the other day. And also on Twitter, I feel like this is a unique opportunity for the Jets. Now, if C.J. Mosley hadn't opted out, and if they hadn't traded Jamal Adams, you go to war with what you got, and you hope for the best. But the way I look at this is, by Mosley opting out, now obviously with Winters being cut and freeing up $7 million, you've got $34 bucks. The guy that you expected to be your best defensive player, C.J. Mosley, is gone. The guy that was your best defensive player last year, Jamal Adams, is gone. You could just fold up the tent and give up, I suppose. But because of the way this season has worked out with all the uncertainty, half the Patriots roster has opted out. We don't know who could be next. Plus, you could have all kinds of different injuries or coronavirus-related things that pop up during the season. You've got the extra playoff team. Why not take that $34 million and go out and get the two impact players that are left on the market right now, Jadavian Clowney and Logan Ryan, who you can get on a one-year deal? Because, Manish, I think if you're serious about trying to compete and trying to win, which Joe Douglas did say he is, he said, I am serious about trying to win, not punting on the season. That is not what we are looking to do. Clowney, I don't think, is a star player. I don't think he's as good as, say, a Von Miller or J.J. Watt, that level. But he's a very good player. He certainly would upgrade the pass rush to an extent. And he's a tremendous run defender. So he would help replace what C.J. Mosley would have brought to the run defense. Logan Ryan could step in and help the secondary a lot. And help take away some of the deficiencies that were left by the departure of Jamal Adams, especially on the pass rush end. And then not only that, but I was talking to Joe Blewett about this, and we'll get into this more when Joe comes on for the full film review. One of McDougal's biggest weaknesses is setting the edge for the run. That's something that both Logan Ryan and Jadavian Clowney are very good at. So that would help pick up the slack from something they lost with Jamal Adams leaving. I really feel like... Jets ownership 
owes it to the fan base to make these moves because if you get these guys on one-year deals, there's no long-term commitment. There's nothing. After this year, you don't have to worry about anything. And Manish, we both know that other than rookie contracts, the only two players that this team is tied to financially beyond 2020, whether they're a free agent or somebody that the Jets could easily cut and walk away from, are Connor McGovern and C.J. Mosley. So when you figure all of that out, I just don't understand why you wouldn't take a swing because especially if Sam Darnold steps up and really breaks out this year, if you're able to get two guys that can make a difference on that defense in lieu of losing the two guys that you expected to be your top players on the defense, I don't see what the downside is here. I completely agree. Uh, I think you said it perfectly. Uh, Everything you said makes perfect sense. This is an opportunity for the Jets, they should look at this season as odd and as strange as it is as a real opportunity to break their playoff drought. Now, I don't think that they are going to be a playoff team, but there is an additional playoff team, as you said, uh, starting this year in each conference. So you increase your chances there. You touched on the, the Patriots really – having this uh, you know, large number of guys opting out. Uh, at last count, it was eight, right? And you just don't know what's going to happen around the league with you know, guys perhaps testing positive, unusual circumstances happening. So uh, why not actually go, go for it? And you don't, as you said, you're, you're not going for it in the sense that you're crippling your you know, 2021 season or your 2022 season. These are not long-term commitments. Now, you and I have discussed uh, Yannick Ngakwe before. We fundamentally disagree on whether you know, that would be a good decision. I think that he's the best uh, young you know, edge rusher available in, in the league who I think can be a part of your future. But I recognize that there is a, a leap of faith and a risk that you're taking because you cannot sign him to a long-term deal uh, until after the season. Uh, I understand and I appreciate uh, you know the, the dissenting opinion on that. So if we just take him out of the discussion and focus on guys who really will only be here for one year, Jadavian Clowney uh, and Logan Ryan, I don't understand why you would not get those guys. Uh, you know, you said that uh, Jadavian Clowney's not a star. He's a very productive player. However you want to label him, categorize mm-hmm. him, he's a very productive player. He's not a guy who's going to get 15 sacks, but as you said, he's uh, extremely good and really underrated, I, I would even say, as a run defender. He's a good player. The guy's a good player. You would have to pay him, uh, I don't know, 15, 16, whatever it might be, million dollars. But it's a one-year commitment. Uh, Logan Ryan is a guy that we have discussed uh, plenty of times this offseason. And there was a time, uh, but uh, what, maybe two months ago, when people in the building thought it was a wrap. They thought they were getting him. They thought he was going to you know, be on the team in 2020. So it's clearly a guy that they have serious interest in. And quite frankly, I don't understand why he's not on the team. <laughs> but uh, but he's another guy who's a versatile defender. Uh, and we've discussed that in the past as well. He can play in the slot. You know, he People project him at some point being a safety. I mean, he can do a number of different things. So these are two players who can help out the defense immensely, especially when you factor in that – Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley are not on the team. So clearly, if you are going to say publicly that you're not punting on the season, as Joe Douglas said, and now you have this 
for lack of a better word, windfall of cash, about $13 million, cutting Brian Winters gets you a little bit over $7 million. Uh, C.J. Mosley opting out on the season uh, gives you an extra $6 million in base salary, roughly $6 million, 5.85 because he's getting $150,000, but uh, you know, roughly $6 million in cash savings. So you're essentially talking about $13 million extra dollars in cash savings. Uh, salary cap space is never an issue regardless. Uh, teams can tinker with that a number of different ways. But that being said, the cap space, even on paper, is not an issue. They've got over somewhere in the 30 to $35 million in salary cap space. So there's no issue in fitting in two guys on one-year deals who are going to make you know, a, a fairly significant amount of money. So I guess there's two schools of thought. You, know, you hear the school of thought uh, that, well, you don't need to pay these guys. Why would you pay these guys? We're still rebuilding. Uh, we can roll that money over to, to 2021 cap. If you take that approach, then you are in effect saying that you're punting on the season because you're recognizing that these options that are out there, uh, like Logan Ryan, like Jadavian Clowney, you're recognizing that they're good players, but you're in the same sense saying we don't need those players because we're still rebuilding and we can use the salary cap savings uh, – in 2021 well it's 2020 right now so in effect what you're saying is that 2020 doesn't really matter because it's a weird season we're not winning anything anyway you know let joe douglas do what he needs to do so we can uh you know start uh, fresh if you will in 2021 if that's your thought process that's fine everyone's entitled to their opinion on what makes the most sense in terms of getting this team back to being a consistent winner but if you are indeed taking that route, you are conceding the point that you're punting on the 2020 season. And if the general manager publicly says that's not the case, then, well, if that's not the case, then the proof is in the pudding. You've got the extra cash available. And if you are willing to spend it, you have players who can clearly help out your defense that just took two significant hits in the last week or so. So I'm with you, Scott. Uh, the only reason I can think of you know, other than wanting to save the money for 2021 is if ownership just wants to save the $13 million and not spend it this year. Because as we've talked about uh, a number of different times, there were cash flow restrictions placed on Joe Douglas this offseason from ownership. He had a tight budget to work with this offseason. Now, he was told that those restrictions would loosen up next year. Uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. But uh, clearly – Right now, this offseason, he was operating under a pretty tight budget. So perhaps ownership will not give him the green light to spend money, uh, even money that is you know, newfound money, if you will, uh, over the last several days. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the green light. I, you know, I, I can't tell you for certain. I don't know. But what I do know, and I think what every Jet fan will find out, is you know, depending on what moves are or are not made in the coming days and weeks, then, we, then we'll find out, uh, you know, what's what's really happening because uh you know the information i got all along was that there were cash flow restrictions but ownership you know did tell joe douglas that you know maybe they'd be willing to spend uh, you know on, on a guy in a premium position uh, a young guy in a premium position we'll see because uh you know to me ultimately talk is just talk uh you know actions speak a lot louder than you know what what these guys uh say in press conferences while sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. 
Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Manisha, I want to come back to the cash flow restrictions because obviously if ownership told Joe Douglas that he can't spend and they're behind a lot of what's going on, then nothing Joe Douglas wants to do is going to matter anyway. But I do want to make this point, and I think this is something that ownership should really consider, and I think fans should consider it because I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, just roll the money over. They're not going to win this year anyway. Do Jadavian Clowney and Logan Ryan make the Jets Super Bowl contenders? Unless Sam Darnold turns into Aaron Rodgers overnight, no. Do those two players make them playoff contenders? Maybe? If nothing else, at least it makes them much closer to playoff contenders than they were before. And as we said, in a season like this, anything can happen and there's no downside because you're not tied to these guys beyond 2020. The way I look at it is, Manish, this team hasn't been to the playoffs in what would be 10 years if they don't make it this year. If you can push the team closer to a playoff spot and put them in a realistic position where if a few things go their way, maybe they actually could make it, I don't see why you don't do it. Like I said, I think you owe it to the fans because there's no long-term implications here. I understand that Joe Douglas is trying to build this slowly and do it the right way, 
that's fine, but this doesn't interfere with that plan in any way. So with that being the case, I just don't see why you wouldn't do this because as we said, the big X factor here is Sam Darnold. If he steps up, as you said, premium positions, Logan Ryan plays a premium position corner. Jadavian Clowney plays a premium position edge rusher. Jadavian Clowney certainly fits the mold of a young player at a premium position. Ryan's a little bit older, but still he plays a premium position. Those two guys could absolutely help this team jump up into at least fringe playoff contention with no downside and this team not having made the playoffs in 10 years. I just don't understand what the argument would be beyond, as we said, the possibility of ownership just not wanting to spend the money. Yeah, I don't know if there is a another reasonable explanation. I, I think if you're you know, a rational person, the only conclusion you can draw if they don't spend money uh, – on you know, some on, on a, one at least one of those guys, and they could they obviously have the money to spend it on both. But if they don't, if they just kind of stand pad and you know, bring in a Demarius Thomas at, at the veteran minimum over the next week or so, uh, that to me just means that they are punting on the season. And you know, I, I know that I, I know what the general manager said, but I also know that you have an opportunity for all the reasons you outlined, Scott, to make your team better and make yourself have a chance to perhaps make the playoffs in 2020. Who knows who's going to win the Super Bowl? It is such an odd year. We, look, we, people in New York have seen a 9-7 and seven Giants team win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You, you just don't know. Uh, once you get into the tournament, you don't know what's going to happen, and now you have a, big, a greater chance of getting into the tournament because there's one more playoff team. And everyone believes in Darnold. Uh, who knows you know, how big of a jump he's going to make, but let's just say he makes a seismic jump. And you know, it's asking a lot for him to carry the team. It's certainly asking a lot for him to carry the team that has a defense that just lost their two best players. But you can mitigate some of some of that uh, that sting of not having Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley by bringing in uh, a Logan Ryan and a and a Jadavian Clowney. Those guys clearly make you better. I mean, I think that's not really up for debate. Having those two guys on the roster makes you a better defense than if they were not on the roster and you uh, plugged in the guys you currently have. I think that's. That's not really debatable. So that's why I think, from a fan standpoint, I, I completely understand fans being frustrated. So I, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. It's an interesting psychology. You know, hearing from fans on both sides of the discussion. Uh, some fans saying what you just said, basically agreeing what you and I have been talking about uh, right here, and then some fans taking that other approach, which is like let Joe Douglas do it his way and wait. Uh, yeah, you know, sooner or later, I, I just kind of feel like the present has to matter. I, I felt like for too long that the present has not mattered, and that's that predates Joe Douglas. That goes back to Mike McCagnan. That goes back to John Idzik. Uh, there's a there's there's a way because we see it all over the league every single year. There's a way to build for the future while still being really competitive and even making the playoffs in the present. You don't have to be a five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine team while you're quote unquote building for the future. You can actually be in the playoffs or, or you know, have a realistic chance in the last week or so of making the playoffs as you're building. You can do those things simultaneously. I, I just think that there's this there's this notion that uh, from from some some contingent of the of the fan base. I, I don't know how big of a contingent, but certainly some that that I see, which is. The only way to, to 
you know, be a sustainable winner is that you have to tear it down and start from scratch. And there is a time and a place for that in history where you have to tear it down and start from scratch. And I thought that the time was when they didn't have a quarterback, when they were looking for a quarterback. But they feel like they've found their quarterback. I agree with them. I think they have found their quarterback. So I don't think that you have to, you know, two years, three years after you got that quarterback, tear it down all, all over again. Like, that's the thing I don't understand. You don't have to tear it down to the studs every two or three years. I think you tear it down to the studs, you know, uh, at a seminal moment in the franchise. And I thought that seminal moment was before they had Sam Darnold. I totally agreed with Woody Johnson tearing it down. I thought that made the most sense at that point. But that wasn't that long ago. That was just a few years ago. You can't be doing this every few years. I mean, that's a a once in a a decade, once every 15 years type of scenario. You don't want to get in the habit of tearing it all down and 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 uh, and starting from scratch. I mean, that's not that's that's not how you'll ever become a winner. I think you know you pick and choose your spot for that. And I thought the Jets properly uh, picked their spot when they were still looking for the quarterback. Now that they got the quarterback, I think what you're seeing is, frankly, them wasting this incredibly valuable window when they didn't have to pay the quarterback uh, anything beyond, uh, you know, peanuts, relatively speaking. Uh, and, and, you know, they're going to have to pay the Piper. And that, when I say that, I mean they're going to have to pay Sam Darnold soon enough. And, you know, when that $150 million contract, you know, hits the books, it's going to be that much more difficult for them to, to, to build. Uh, you know, you can build a winning team uh, if you don't have any deadlines. You know, you will eventually hit on enough draft picks. You know, for all the criticism that Mike McCagnan has gotten for his poor draft picks, he is the guy who drafted Sam Darnold. He is the guy who drafted Jamal Adams. He's a guy who uh, drafted a, a promising young player who, you know, still has a lot to prove in, in Chris Herndon. But, look, he, he drafted Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold. Now, there were a lot of you know, poor draft picks amid all of those players. But ultimately, if you have an endless amount of time, you can build through the draft. You can build a winner over a course of a decade. I have no doubt that uh, Mike McCagnan would have built a winner for the Jets, uh, you know, if he had 10 more drafts. But that's not how the NFL works. That's not how the real world works in this profession. You have to do things quickly. You have to multitask. And you have to figure out a way where you're not, you know, just punting on seasons and saying, well, we're going to stink this year. Who cares? We're not even going to try to make the playoffs. So we're going to sit on the money and then hope for next year. And then, uh, you know, hope these draft picks we got from Jamal Adams turn into Jamal Adams. Uh, it's just always pushing things forward. You know, at some point, today has to matter more than a year from now or two years from now. Manish, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think that Mike McCannon could build this team into a winner if he gave him 30 <laughs> more drafts, but that's another discussion for another day. I will say, though, again, as you were sort of alluding to, it's one thing to have a long-term plan. It's another thing to not recognize a unique opportunity in front of you where it's August, all this money unexpectedly popped up for you, and you've got two guys that are still available this late in the game that can come in and help you right now with no long-term implications. I just don't see why you wouldn't do that, especially considering, like you said, If you sneak into the playoffs, at that point, anything can happen. Now, I'm not comparing this team to the 2009 Jets, but let's be honest. No one really expected the 2009 Jets to make the playoffs, and they sort of backed in. They got very lucky, but once they got in, they made a nice run and went all the way to the AFC Championship. 
I think most of us agree that Sam Darnold is a better quarterback now than Mark Sanchez was as a rookie. So if they somehow get in and Darnold gets hot, who knows what could happen in the playoffs? Is it likely that they make a deep run? Not super likely, but like you said, once you get in, anything can happen. All bets are off. The only reasons that I can think of that you wouldn't do this are if, as you said, there's cash flow restrictions, which we're going to come back to in a second. But the other reason would be if Joe Douglas just simply doesn't like Jadavian Clowney or if Greg Williams just simply doesn't like Jadavian Clowney. We obviously know they're interested in Logan Ryan because, as you said, they came pretty close to signing him before. What is the story there with Clowney? Because I've heard conflicting things. I've heard that he's not a quote-unquote Joe Douglas kind of guy, which I don't really know what that's supposed to mean, culture, whatever. The guy's a good player, so what? I think that the whole great guy in the locker room thing gets a little overblown. You don't want somebody coming in here like a Terrell Owens or somebody like that, Antonio Brown, who's going to blow up the locker room. But other than that, everybody's got a different personality. I've always felt that that was a little bit odd when they say he's not a such and such kind of guy, especially if you're bringing him in on a one-year deal. The other thing that I had heard is that the Jets do like Clowney and they were interested. They just didn't want to pay him. But now, obviously, circumstances could have changed in that regard with all that free money. So what do you know about what Joe Douglas and Greg Williams and the brain trust with the Jets thinks of Jadavian Clowney? I had heard a number of different things. Uh, two of them you had just mentioned. Uh, somebody told me that they didn't think he was a, a Joe Douglas type of guy. And <laughs> as you just said, I'm not exactly sure what that entails. But that was just, you know, that was one person's opinion. I don't think that Joe Douglas... Know, revealed this to this person, but th- that was that was the perception out there. Uh, money certainly a factor. I, I the way that it was framed to me back back during free agency was that the Jets did their due diligence, and it didn't seem, at least the indication that I got at the time, it didn't seem like the Jets were serious. Uh, and I guess serious is a relative term because other teams were interested in them. Uh, and you know, money is a factor. Uh, it's you know silly to say that money wasn't a factor back in March because. The money essentially shaped Joe Douglas's entire off-season strategy in free agency. You know, some people, uh, you know, like Joe, view it like, well, I have to be creative. Uh, I think that's probably a nice way of putting it. Uh, I think the the more accurate way of putting it is that, you know, I don't, <laughs> I I really don't understand how in my first free agency uh, I'm giving, excuse me, I'm giving these you know, these restrictions, it's, you know, it's, it's first free agency. Remember he was hired after the draft. So it's not like he had uh, gone through free agency as a Jets general manager a year ago, even though he's been with the team for a year because of when he was hired. uh, This is the first opportunity he had in free agency. I, I, you know, I, I I know this was an unusual year. Uh, I just don't think it's fair uh, to any general manager, not, not just Joe, but uh, I, I just don't I, I don't think it's fair to put re- financial restrictions the first time your general manager has an opportunity to bolster the roster. And, uh, you know, we can discuss you know, how how good the jet roster is or how poor it is. Uh, you know, I, I, I can say this with great assurance that Joe Douglas th- th- does not think that the Jets are close. He, d- he didn't think when he got the job that the Jets were close to winning. This was before they even started the season. Uh, I thought that he believed that there were a lot of areas that needed to be upgraded. 
uh, and I know that you and I have discussed this before, he wasn't particularly happy that the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell to the contract that they signed him to. He wasn't particularly happy that they signed C.J. Mosley to that amount of money because he didn't value those positions. Uh, He's he's very big on on that element of uh, team building and roster building. Uh, Paying an inside linebacker $17 million is not something that he would ever do. It's not philosophically something he agrees on. But but all that being said, he didn't control that. That was – uh, those are decisions made by Christopher Johnson, Adam Gase, and Mike McCagnan. So, uh, you know, that's not, you know, that's Joe's problem because he inherited, you know, these contracts, but that's not something he can go back in time and, and change. But that being said, when he does have that opportunity, the first time he has that opportunity, his first free agency, to hamstring a general manager like that is very difficult. Uh, you know, it's a very, it's a very difficult thing to maneuver. And, you know, if, you really don't have a choice because I mean, if your boss tells you you're only getting X amount of money to spend, you know you can try to persuade him, uh, but ultimately it's it's his money, it's the Johnson's money, uh, Christopher Johnson and Woody Johnson's money. It's not uh, Joe Douglas's money. So he was you know behind the eight ball to begin with. Uh, uh, so that's not his fault. And I know you and I have talked about this in relation to Jamal Adams, but I just think that even you know if you take Jamal Adams out of the equation or you extend the conversation. Uh, yeah, it's not Joe Douglas's money. He can only do so much, but there is a proper way of communicating, a better way of communicating during negotiations. I think a clearer way of communicating during negotiations. Uh, and I and I think that I think that Joe Douglas has it in him to get better at that. But his inexperience in dealing with the in those types of situations uh, really surfaced repeatedly. Uh, I had heard this all off season. Uh, I think it's something that he's not particularly comfortable with because that's not his background. His background's obviously scouting players, but uh, and maybe you know this is just a, a factor of being inexperienced, and he will get better at this the more he does it. But uh, you know he has to take some responsibility for what has transpired here. It's it's not just well you have to you're going to blame the Johnsons. Now look, it starts at the top, and obviously the money is the most significant issue here. But uh, if you don't have the money, I think there's just more artful, creative, and clearer ways to communicate that you guys, uh, you guys meaning with the team, uh, you know, doesn't have the financial, uh, I guess, uh, ability to, you know, to pay guys. But anyway, I know I'm rambling, but I, I just thought that that was a, like when you're talking about the cash flow restriction conversation, I think, uh, you know, the communication element of it is also important. Manish. All said and done, when this ultimately plays out, do you think the Jets are going to go after Clowney and or Ryan? And if not, do you think that it'll be because of the cash flow restrictions, Joe Douglas not liking Clowney, or some combination or both? I think money's uh, at the forefront of the issue. That being said, you know, as I mentioned a little bit ago, my understanding was that uh, you know ownership perhaps could have you know, would be amenable to you know, altering their position for, uh, you know, a young guy at a premium position. Uh, you know, edge rusher is obviously the, the position that we're talking about. There's other premium positions, but for, you know, purposes of this conversation, you know, edge rusher would fall into that category. Uh, the idea of not being a Joe Douglas guy, I don't you know, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, that, again, that's, that was one person's perception of, of the situation, 
That's you know, this isn't something that I heard directly from Joe Douglas. It's not something that Joe Douglas has said, you know, any kind of conference call or public setting either. I, I wouldn't imagine he would ever say something like that about any player. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, every indication I've gotten all off season was that the you know, the extent of their interest was the due diligence. It, I never really got a sense that they were hot and heavy about Jadavian Clowney. And I, I don't know I, if I had to if I were a betting man, which I'm not. I would say that they would not side him because, unless they did a complete about face in terms of how they viewed him for months. And the way they viewed him for months was that, you know, there was, I, I mean, I guess you could say lukewarm interest, uh, but I, I, I never, it was never conveyed to me that he was a player that they felt they needed to have. And I know circumstances has changed, obviously, with Jamal Adams and CJ Mosley gone. So perhaps they do an about face. I just haven't, I haven't gotten an indication from anybody uh, to believe that. What about Logan Ryan? Yeah, Logan Ryan's the, the big mystery. Uh, I, I think that, uh, I, you know, for reasons I still don't quite understand, and I think for reasons that people in the organization don't quite understand, uh, I don't know why he's not on the team. I, I mean, to me, he should have been on the team two months ago. Uh, the Jets wanted him. The Jets felt they were going to get him. Uh, Joe, uh, Logan Ryan's still not employed. He's still a free agent. So I don't, I, I mean, honestly, Scott, like, I, I don't know. I, I can just tell you what I reported and what I, I thought people thought at the time. And I will say, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think people in the building are probably as confused about why he's not on the team as I am right now. A confusing time all the way around, Manish. Manish Mehta, covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Thanks so much for coming on for part two this week of Midweek with Manish. Really appreciate it. I know that you said that you've got an interesting concept that you're going to be working on over at the Daily News. You talked about it yesterday. Why don't you go ahead and talk about it again? Well, you know, it's going to be an unusual season, uh, assuming the season actually begins. There's not going to be... Uh, fans. I mean, I, I think there'll be fan noise, crowd noise, like you're seeing in baseball and basketball. But it, these guys are going to be playing in, in front of, uh, if not empty stadiums, then you know, sparsely uh, filled stadiums. So it's a different dynamic because a lot of players rise to the occasion because of the fans. You know, that that noise, that energy feeds them. And there's a completely different tempo and a completely different feel on game day uh, as compared to practice. And that's why. You know, you always hear about, you know, guys who are superstar players, star players. Uh, you know, the practice tempo doesn't get them jacked up. The game gets them jacked up. And it also works the other way where you have guys who are really good in practice. You know, they make plays left and right in practice. You know, I, I've heard it throughout my career from coaches. Uh, these guys, you know, there's some guys who are just so good in practice, but then for whatever reason, when the lights come on and, and the crowd is there, and it's a completely different feel. It almost kind of feels like a different game and players wilt you know they, they wilt in those environments so uh, i guess if you're a guy who can't deal with you know playing in front of a big crowd this will be a good season for you but i think for the most part these guys you know they got to where they're at because they take their game to a different level uh because of the fans because of the energy that that you can feel uh, in the building and uh, you know that's not going to be a reality for this season. So I'm curious, you know, I was curious how players uh, would think about that. And you know, there were a couple Jet players on defense who discussed it. Sam Darnold on offense also discussed it. But uh, you know, I've always felt that 
that energy that that fuels defensive players. I always got that sense you know, for home games. That fuel that energy and that crowd fuels defensive players. Uh, you know, particularly, I mean, I'm sure offensive players like it too. But for the most part, you know, these guys on defense absolutely love getting fired up because of the crowd, and you know that's not going to be a part of the equation this year for the Jets. Go ahead and read Manish over in the Daily News and follow him on Twitter. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, greatly appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.